Today. Again, my name is Noel Miller, and I'm one of the staff pastors here at the church. And it is a privilege to speak with you this weekend. A few weeks ago in Student Life, which is our student ministries, we had a blast celebrating our graduating seniors. As you saw there in that video, we designated our high school service all around those graduates. We were able to speak words of encouragement to them. We were giving them some gifts. We ended the night with Robert's frozen custard, which who would not love that? So we had a great time celebrating them. And one thing that we encouraged them with was on their pursuit of Jesus as they continue in this journey, that they would continue to pursue Jesus on this adventure with him. And it's something that we just poured life into them and encouraged them to do that. And so it was a great night as they transitioned in that time of their life. But one thing that we find with our students during that time of life, and, and really as we all transition at some point in our life, whether you're graduating from high school or, or college or just transitioning, we find that people, or students especially at that age, ask the question, why me? Or, or, or maybe, who am I? Who am I to see the dreams that God has placed in my life actually happen? Who, who am I to see something come to pass? Or, or who am I to be an incredible doctor or teacher or whatnot? And, and that night, we encourage our students not to ask, who am I or, or why me? But we really encourage them to ask, why not? Why not you? Why not be the doctor that finds the cure for cancer? Why not be the teacher that changes the way we look at education? Why not be the business person that changes their community? So instead of asking why me, we really encourage them to ask why not? And as we're in this series of going from extraordinary to our ordinary to extraordinary, and, and as we're learning how God can use ordinary and really turn it into something special, I believe we have to ask ourselves the same question. Why not? Why, why not? Why couldn't God use us? Why couldn't God use our family and our, our friends and our community? Why not? You see, it's a cha it changes the way you, you think about something. It, it changes the way that you process information. Instead of saying, well, maybe I can or, or what if God wants me to? It changes the way you think, and it changes the way you think to say, why not? It's an action step, if you will. It's a mindset of action. And in our lives, as we're, as we're going through this journey with Christ, as we're, we're moving from ordinary to extraordinary, we have to ask ourselves, why not? We have to say, this is an action step for our life. God wants this for us. It's an extraordinary moment in our lives. And, and if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me, to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, if you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen for you to follow along with us. 
But in this portion of scripture, we really find an extraordinary moment where God takes ordinary people and he does something really cool with them. He does something extraordinary with them. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me again to Mark chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. It says, Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus, seeing their faith. And if you do have your Bibles, you can circle that word there. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. And then you can skip down to verse 11. It says, Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We have never seen anything like this before. Now, if you know anything about me, I love to be right in the middle of action. Like, I love to be right where everything's going down. I love adventure. I love to get into the mix of things. And, and I found this to be true. I, I, the summer between my first and second year of Bible college, I interned in a South American country called Paraguay. And I was there in the capital city, and, and I had a family open up their home for me, and uh, they after spending some time with me, they figured out that I love sports. I, I love sports. I mean, I, I don't know if it's the competition. I don't know if it was my upbringing. I'm not sure, but I absolutely, any sport, I love it. I will watch sports. Maybe golf is a little, I'm trying to get into it. It seems a little boring for me, so don't tell my husband. Um, but uh, I'm trying to get into it. Uh, we'll see. But I love, love, love sports. And my host home, uh, found out about this when I was in Paraguay, and they're like, hey, can we take you to a national soccer game? And I was ecstatic. I was like, yes, I am overjoyed. I cannot wait. I mean, I was like counting down the days I got to go and see what it was like to be at a soccer game in Paraguay. And so the day comes, we head there, and, and at the, in front of the stadium there where they take your tickets, people were giving their tickets but they were also taking off their belts and hanging them on the gate outside the stadium. And the people I was with, I was like, can, can you explain that to me for a second? Why are people doing this? And the people I was with, they began to tell me, you know, it's in case of the riots. They don't want anybody to have any form of a weapon inside. And I'm like, what? Um, what did you say there? And they're like, you know, in case of the riots. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's normal. Um, and so I was like, well, this should be a fun soccer game to attend. And so we're in the game. I'm telling you, the electricity inside that stadium was just unreal. I, I could kind of compare it to like an NFL game for us. I've never been to Lambeau Field to a Packer game, but I can imagine it to somewhat. I mean, I hope you guys don't leave your belts outside of the stadium. I, I've never been, so, but I, I don't know. But it, it was exciting, and we got about halfway, a little over halfway through the game, and you know how we all have security at our, at our gaming events and whatnot. Well, they did as well, and I'm looking out into the, the crowd across the field and, and up to the very top of the bleachers, and I see this security guard, and, and he begins to fall down the bleacher stairs, and my first reaction was like, God bless his heart. Like, I have been in public, and I have embarrassed myself, and I know what that's like. Like, God love him. Like, I hope that he, you know, can recover from that. And, uh, but as I continue to look, I see there's like a scuffle going on at the top of, and I'm telling y'all, if I'm lying, I'm dying. There's a scuffle going on at the top of these, of the bleachers here, and all of a sudden, it begins to spread. 
this fight begins to spread, and, and I'm like, oh my word. And here it comes. I'm telling you, it comes all the way around the, the stadium to where I am, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, like, I'm in this. I am so excited that there's a riot breaking out in front of my very eyes. I was, I mean, I was ecstatic. I was like, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. And I looked to the people who had brought me, and they're panicking because they're thinking, I have an American right here in the middle of a riot in a foreign country. We got to get her out of here. So they take me out, and, and as we're walking out, we're outside the stadium, and we see police officers, and they're on horses. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's totally normal. Uh, I've been to New York City, Times Square. They're on horses all the time up there, like no big deal. And as we're approaching these horses, these police officers on these horses, they take out these devices, and they're like, whoosh, and they whip the ground. These, horse, these uh, police officers on horses have whips that are whipping the ground, like that, that long, to whoosh, whip the ground. And I'm like... I mean, my adrenaline is pumping, and I'm like, we need a game plan. We got to figure out how to get around these police officers to our car, to safety. So I devised this whole plan to try to get us around them, and and I tell the people that we're with, and we take off, and I look back, and the people that I'm with are frozen on the sidewalk. I mean, they're they're frozen still on the sidewalk, and I'm like, whoa, 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 newsflash, American, riot, remember, we got to go. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, so we take off, we finally get around the police officers, we make it home, we get in the car, we make it home, and the next day, I'm telling my intern director, and he has like a mini heart attack on me, and he's like, you were what? You know, and a couple days later, it was a funny story, but not in that moment. But the thing about that story is this, that in life, I never want to get frozen on the sidelines or on the sidewalk of an adventure. I know it may not seem like an adventure to some, but it was to me. I never want to get frozen on the sidewalk of an adventure. And in our life, when we go from ordinary to extraordinary, or when God uses our ordinary to become something extraordinary, we can't find ourselves frozen on the sidelines when God is offering an adventure right before us, right in the middle of our ordinary. You see, it, it, it requires something of us. Going from ordinary to extraordinary requires something of us. The first thing it requires, going from ordinary to extraordinary, requires following his lead. It requires following his lead. If you find in that story, there's um, these four guys that are carrying this paralyzed man to, to Jesus. And you see, the thing with them is they were following Jesus. They were going to where he was. They were in a passionate pursuit of Jesus. And in our lives, whether what we seem to be ordinary or not, if we're in a continued, a continued pursuit of Jesus, that's when our ordinary moments become extraordinary. You know, sometimes I find that we sleepwalk through some of the most important moments in our lives. We sleepwalk or, or, or we don't we don't pursue the things in the, in the moment that allow us to encounter this extraordinary moment that God has for us. You see, when I was in college, uh, Kevin, my husband, and I, we had to run a quick errand. We had an event that afternoon, and so we had gone to Sam's Club, and we made our list. We had our deadline, the whole deal, and we're, we're going through Sam's Club. We're kind of going fast, and we're getting everything we need. And we come across a man who has a broken arm, and he's trying to lift these uh, Coke cans into his buggy, and he's trying to, 
you know, get it going and whatnot. And so we stop and, and we help him and we're, we're loading his stuff in. And, and as we're going, we're loading his, his uh, cans into his cart. And I, I, can, see, I can see it on Kevin's face and, and I can sense it in myself. Like, we should pray for this guy. Like, we, we should pray for him. And as I'm going, I'm like, God, if you want me to pray for him, have these cans fall all to the ground. And I just keep going. I'm like waiting. And like nothing happens. I'm like, okay. Um, God, if you want me to pray for this man, have him ask why I'm here. Like that's a, you know, why are you guys here? You know, what are you doing? And so like I'm loading and nothing happens. And so we, we go to walk away from the man. And we're just moments from this man. And Kevin and I look at each other and like, we need to go pray for him. So we turn around to go and pray for this man with a broken hand. And we can't find him. He, he literally is, is nowhere to be found. And we're thinking, a man with a broken arm in a shopping cart full of Cokes can't get very far. So we're like scouring Sam's Club. We go out to the parking lot. We can't find him anywhere. And that day I, really, I realized something, that I don't want God to have to jump through hoops for me to follow his lead in my ordinary life. I don't want God to have to say this or do this in order for me to do this or to do that. I want to be able to say with my life, palms up, God, whatever it is that you want me to do in my ordinary life that I deem as ordinary, it's just simple as going to the grocery store. Or maybe for you, it's an office complex, it's a cubicle, it's a doctor's office, it's your house, it's a soccer field. Whatever it may be for you, do we need God to jump through hoops in order to follow his lead on a daily basis? You see, it's being faithful with the journey that God has given us that we find following Christ extraordinary. It's when we're faithful with the day in and the day out that we find following Christ to be full of excitement, to be full of adventure, that he takes these moments that we deem ordinary, simple grocery runs, or or maybe it's just a conversation in your office, and he turns them into something extraordinary. He uses ordinary people. You see, in order for us to go from ordinary to extraordinary, we have to be willing to follow his lead. You see, the second thing is this. Going from ordinary to extraordinary requires choosing to see what some have ignored. In our lives, for us to go from ordinary to extraordinary, we have to choose to see what some people have ignored. You know, in this story, it talks about how these, these four men carried this paralyzed guy to a house, and it was so full that they couldn't even get in the front door. Now, logic would lead me to believe that that's a lot of people. I know I'm not the smartest, but that's a lot of people in a house if you can't even open the front door. And so I think about these people that are in this house and about the four men who carried the paralyzed man. You see, at some point, whether it was that day or some point in that week, they were all on the same journey. Everyone was on that same journey. They were, at some point, a couple steps from the front of that house. At some point, they were a couple blocks from that house. At some point, they were a few miles from that house. Everyone that was in there or around there, at some point, was on the same journey. You see, the Bible never says that these four men were his fa- the paralyzed man's family members. It never says that they were his friends. It never even speaks of a relationship that they had. 
it simply says that there were four men carrying a guy. They, they never knew each other. The Bible never describes a moment where they had met before. You see, he was just a man on the street that some people had chosen to ignore. I'm sure that there were some people in that house that had walked by that paralyzed man that day. Or maybe they had walked by him that week. But it was these four guys that stopped what they were doing in their ordinary life and chose to do something extraordinary. They chose to stop for this man and carry him. I can't imagine they carried him very far. He's on a mat and he's paralyzed. I mean, I know we got some strong fellows in the house, but that's a long time to be carrying somebody if nobody else in that house had seen him. You see, they stopped for this man. There was a couple of months ago, I, my son and I, we went to Florida to celebrate my dad's 40th birthday. Now, if you've ever traveled by yourself with a 14-month-old who thinks he's bulletproof, uh, you could realize my stress level was really high. I mean, he thought he could run through Hartsfield International Airport in Atlanta and nothing would happen to him. You know, he could just dart across the aisles as people are going by and I'm like, panic, you know. So I get off the plane, and I'm off the, the air mac there, the tarmac or whatever it's called, and I get into the, the terminal. And in this small airport in Florida, you can look a couple yards away, and there's like a glass wall. And once you cross through this glass wall, that's where people are there to pick you up. And I see my dad, and he is just ecstatic. I mean, he is just like waving to me, you know, and everything. And I, my hair's all disheveled. I've got this look on my face that could like kill somebody. I am covered in everything that a uh, 14-month-old could cover you in. And it was just a really, really bad day traveling. I had flights to catch, plane delays. I mean, it was crazy. And as I'm walking out of this, this terminal area, I can see my dad has art. And if you know anything about my father, he makes friends with everybody. So everyone around him knows his life story, my life story, our son's life story. I mean, it's like, and they're all like pointing, there she is, she's coming. And I'm like, you know, walking to him, pushing a stroller. I have like a car seat over my shoulder and I'm just like focused. I'm ready to get to where we're staying, shower and go to sleep. And so I'm walking out, my dad's like, and I'm like, stop it, you're embarrassing me. And I'm going out, I get out there, and he, the first thing he does is he grabs our son. And he's like, look, it's my grandson. And he's so excited and everything. And I'm like, I'm here too, Dad. Hey, you know, welcome. And, um, and so we're going, we get in the car. He's all into our son. And I'm like throwing luggage in the trunk and slamming doors and like elbowing strollers to fit inside of his car. And I'm just, I'm done with the day. And we get in the car and we're leaving and we go to a toll booth to pay the, the parking. And this lady, this poor lady that's working in this toll booth, she's got to be about the same mood as I am in because you can just tell. I mean, it's like 1030 at night. Nobody wants to be there. She's just probably had her day fill as well. And so we're there and we pull up and my dad can tell and he's like, ma'am, I just want to say you're doing a great job. And he's just a really, I know he's a typical Southern guy, like super nice and just almost to the point where it's annoying, and I'm thinking, this lady's either going to punch us in the face or she's going to be really excited to see you. So um, she, he says, you know what, you're doing such a good job. Like, man, you look great tonight. And, and she's like, well, thank you, sir, you know, like, really? And she takes the parking ticket, and um, she's figuring it out. And she says, you, and my dad goes, you know what, we are just so blessed. My grandson's here. I haven't seen him in a long time. Man, God has just blessed me so much, and he's just going on. I'm thinking, if you keep going, she's going to come through that window at you. Like, he's, like, talking about all the joys of his life and, and whatnot. And I'm like, Dad, 
And as she's handing back this parking ticket, she has tears in her eyes. And she says, sir, I haven't seen my grandson in two years. Would you mind praying for me that I would have the same experience that you're having right now with your grandson? My dad reaches his hand out and he prays for her. And I think about that moment often and I think, man, how many people chose to ignore that situation? Myself, what I have gone through that toll booth the way everybody else had for the past hours and just gone on with my day. But my dad decided to stop and he decided to choose to see what other people had ignored. And in that very ordinary moment of paying a parking ticket, my dad was able to do something extraordinary. He was able to share the love of Jesus with a lady who had been in a really rough situation. And you see, I think about that often in our, in our way to become ordinary to extraordinary. Do we stop for the people maybe that some have ignored? Just like these four men stopped for this man, they picked up his mat and they brought him to Jesus. You see, I have to believe a couple things about these men. One is this, that they were men of no excuses. These four men that carried this paralyzed man were men of no excuses. They were men of no excuses. They, they, pick, up a, they pick up a paralyzed man, they take him to the front door, and it's full. They easily could have said, buddy, we brought you this far. I hope Jesus comes out this way, you, you know, connect with him that way. It's, it's full. I can't take you any further. Or maybe they could have just stopped there and said, I'm tired, my arms are tired, I'm tired of carrying you, you can just chill right here for a little bit. But they were men of no excuses. You see, these guys, they didn't see barriers, they saw Jesus. For this man, he needed to encounter Jesus. This paralyzed man needed to encounter Jesus. And so what they did is they went up on a roof, got what they could, whether it was shovels or their hands or whatever, and they began to dig through the roof. They began to dig through the barriers. They began to dig through the thing that separated the person that needed Jesus from Jesus himself. You see, it's like that in our lives oftentimes when we're in our workplaces or when we're in places where we need to share Jesus, we're digging through the barriers of awkward. It may be awkward to share my faith. It's going to be awkward to pray for this person or maybe I feel uncomfortable doing this. But these men were men of no excuses. They didn't care. They busted through a roof and lowered a man into the presence of Jesus that needed to encounter him. They were men of no excuses, and they didn't see barriers. They saw Jesus, and they let effort motivate them. They didn't wait for God to orchestrate this big thing to open up a ceiling, and then they lowered it in. No, they were men who got their hands dirty, and they began to break through a ceiling so this guy could encounter Jesus. You see, they let their faith motivate them. They believed that the Jesus that was inside that room could touch that paralyzed man, and his life would never be the same. Do we believe that for the people that are around us? Do we believe for the person that's broken in our workplace that the God that we serve is big enough to show up in their life? Do we believe for the friends that are struggling financially that if they could just encounter Jesus, if they could just fall in love with Jesus, that he would show up in their life? Do we believe for God to do things for people in our lives that are paralyzed and don't have the faith to believe for themselves? Are we willing to say why not, not just for ourselves, but for people who are paralyzed and broken? You see, they let their faith motivate them to see this man changed. 
They let their ordinary, everyday faith motivate them to see change. You see, not only were they men of, of no excuses, but they were men of no names. If you turn with me over to just a few pages over to Luke, if you don't, you want to turn there, it'll be on the screen. Luke tells the same story, but this is the way he says it in Luke 5, verse 18. He says this, some men carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, they tried to take him in to Jesus. Again, verse 18, some men came carrying. They were men of no names. They were ordinary people whose names didn't even get mentioned in the Bible. They were some men who did extraordinary things through their ordinary life. Will we be some men and some women who do extraordinary things through our ordinary life? Will we be some men and some women who carry people in Mequon and carry people in Slinger and carry people in Germantown and Pewaukee and Brookville? Will we be some men and some women that pick up the mats of people in our communities and lead them to Jesus? Will history say about us, will history say about Life Church that we were just some men and some women leading people to the presence of Jesus? With our ordinary day in, day out life, God did extraordinary things. You see, they were men of no names. They were men of no names, just ordinary men that God did extraordinary things in. Will we be some men and some women that the light of God shines so bright in us that we unconsciously let it turn on light bulbs in other people? Will we be those people? In the moments in our lives that we let the light of God shine in us, we unconsciously give people permission to do the same. When we let the light of God shine in us, we unconsciously give people the permission to do the same. You see, if you flip back over there to Mark, Mark chapter 2, verse 12, and the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. You see, these four guys, these some men, allowed the light of God to shine in them so bright that it not only healed a paralyzed man, but it turned light bulbs on for everybody else in that room. They unconsciously gave other people the ability to let their light shine. It says there in the word that they praised God because of what they saw and what they saw happened because some men did some ordinary thing and God turned it into something extraordinary. Will that be who we are in our lives? Will we be people that say, God, whatever it is you wanna do, palms up, I'm here. I will follow your lead, God, whatever it is in my ordinary life, and I will choose to see what some people have chosen to ignore. And I'll allow you to take my ordinary day in and day out journey with you and turn it into something extraordinary. I will see lives change because I decided with my ordinary life to allow you to do something extraordinary with it. Now I know that there are people in here that, that range from all different, all different walks. I know that there may be some people in here that you're carrying these mats. You're picking up the paralyzed and your arms are tired. 
You're tired of digging holes in roofs. But can I encourage you this morning to keep going? Can I encourage you today to say, I can do this? Can I encourage you to keep digging holes in roofs? I know that there may be some people in here today who, who you're like me, and at times you've just kind of, not chosen to, but just missed opportunities to pick up a mat for somebody. Can I encourage you today to choose to allow God to use your ordinary? Allow God to take your ordinary and turn it into something extraordinary. And I know that there are people in here here today who maybe you've been carried in or you crawled in, but you're broken. You've had life come in at you and you're like, I don't even think I have an ordinary to be used. Can I tell you what God did for that paralyzed man? He can do for every one of us in this room. He can change our lives. He's changed mine. And I can tell you that a consistent walk with God is something that is the most exciting, fulfilling thing that you can ever do. And so I know with that wide range of people in here today, I simply want to pray for you. I just want to pray that that God would use our ordinary, that he'd motivate our mat carriers, if you will, and that he'd remind you that he can use your ordinary. And that for some of us in this room, that he introduced himself to you today. Jesus, I just thank you so much. God, I thank you that we serve a God who, who uses our ordinary day in and day out life. God, you choose to take people like us and do extraordinary things through us. So God, I pray for the people in this room that are weary and well-doing, but your word says don't become weary and well-doing. I pray, God, that you would surround them. God, that you would remind them to keep picking up mats for people, to keep digging roofs for people today. God, I pray for the people who maybe have missed opportunities. God, who, who, who have never seen you work through the ordinary. Lord, I pray that you would awaken us to those moments. God, that you would reveal to us those opportunities, Jesus, for you to use us in the ordinary, God. And Jesus, I pray for the people who have come in on mats today, who feel a little discouraged, who feel broken, God. I pray that you would introduce yourself to them in this moment, God. God, that you would show up in a real and a fresh way. Surround them, God. Remind them that you're here for them and that you're here with them. I pray this in your mighty name. In Jesus' name, amen.